Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. All right, welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad you joined us. We have Bob Hill with us today, Pastor Emeritus of Community Christian Church down on the plaza. Mm -hmm pastored there for what 30, 30 years 30 yeah, yeah. years 30 but, years but, but pastored many years even before that right a little bit uh a little pastored bit. for about five years before that um at a little storefront church in nashville tennessee as i was i was a uh, tent maker i guess you mm -hmm. could say uh because i did a another the church job was a side job. I actually worked for a group called Project Return that was a fledgling social service agency that helped people leaving prisons and jails. And by the way, it still exists. Unbelievable. So right. I helped launch it and then uh, it got subsumed by the state of Tennessee. So Yeah. So I pastored Vineyard Church. I started it in 1990 mm -hmm. and resigned in 2019. Wow. Okay. So you... So we I was were, here, yeah, very parallel. We're, we're, I came here in 85. Okay. And then uh, until 2015. 20, okay. And then since 2015, I've been um, a community consultant, mostly mm -hmm. with the Kauffman Foundation on education. Yeah. yeah. And then we met really, uh, what, maybe two and a half years ago, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, um, Through a common friend. And then mm -hmm. we've been in a shepherds, helping shepherds group all the way through, uh, COVID today. and all this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> till today, right? Yeah. So I've been, I, I, my, my, one of my regrets is that I didn't connect with you so much earlier and in mine, my work in mine, ministry. And uh, mine, yeah. uh, in response to you as well, I'm, yeah. I, uh, I did not know of you. I, I did know of uh, the Vineyard Movement and the Vineyard Churches, mostly through Todd Hunter. He, he didn't know me from Adam, but yeah. we met a long time ago in a peer support group uh, thing that was supported by the Lilly Endowment that, that was created in disciples circles. And we uh, had a time with him in California. Okay, uh, cool. When he was um, doing all that stuff. And before he became a bishop and all the rest, mm -hmm. and we got connected with the Anglican Church. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I regret that we didn't know each other and didn't mm -hmm. do some things together, but we're yeah. doing it now. Yeah, well, Todd, Todd uh, Hunter, for those of you who are listening, maybe that know the Vineyard background, John Wimber died in 97, and Todd became the national director for the Vineyard Movement after John's death. He did that just for a couple of years, and then resigned, and then went to be the national director of Alpha in the U.S. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Served there for several years, he, yeah. you know, because we were pretty, Wimber was, pretty big influence on Nikki Gummel who found you know who wrote the alpha program uh -huh. and then Todd yeah took his journey into the uh, Anglican world and became uh Bishop in America now of one branch of the Anglican. I think it's the uh, Rwandan branch of the Anglican Church. Isn't I'm it? not sure which one it is. Kind I mean, there is, there's so. lots of permutations there, but yeah, uh, but a very interesting. Um, journey actually out of the Calvary Chapel. So Originally. at least with Chuck Smith yeah. connected even with that branch of Christianity yeah. in America. And he's back in Costa Mesa now. Todd is? Yeah. Yeah. All right. He's an Anglican church there, but yeah. he's a bishop. Like he oversees a church here in Kansas City, Christ Church here in Kansas City. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Todd and I served on at Wimber asked us to be on a national evangelism task force for the Vineyard Movement back in 94 or 5. So I've a been small world. long time yeah, yeah. friends with Todd. But anyway, well, let's start with your story. Like, where did you grow up? Mm -hmm. um, how did you receive a calling mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. pastoring? Yeah, yeah. And what, what was your denominational background? Sure. 
Um, For people who don't know you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was born in Hawaii, Honolulu, at Tripler Hospital. I'm a Navy kid because my dad was in the Navy, had re-upped for uh, the Korean War uh, during that time. But we lived there. I have memories of Hawaii. I, I really do. I have memories of the beach and palm trees. But, wow. Um, then we moved to Brownsville or to Texas, Heiko, Stephenville. Eventually we settled in Brownsville, Texas, which is down on the border. So we were the only Anglo family in the neighborhood. Um, I learned- and I'm trying to think Brownsville is near San Antonio. Oh no, way, Wait. way south. It's the tip bottom of okay. Texas. And there would be- by, Down by Matamoros. El Paso or? No, no, El Paso's way up I'm northwest. To, okay. It's at the, if you look the at the tip, tip bottom, mm -hmm. that's Brownsville. Okay, I've never and, been there. So. And so a lot of people know about McAllen mm -hmm. because it is a famous uh, place for a lot of snowbirds. And the snowbirds go to Harlingen, fly into Harlingen, but Brownsville, um, it's about 95, 98% Latino mm. and, um, Anyway, I had a great childhood there. Learned mm -hmm. baseball, uh, got baptized, um, went to church, and my mother later would tell me something as our family was uh, moving. My parents divorced and we were moving up to um, uh, the Houston area so my mother could have access to MD Anderson Hospital. She had been given a very stark diagnosis. And uh, she said, you know, son, if you have a good congregation, a good doctor and a good school, you can have a good life. Mm. And she was passing on some wisdom uh, so that I wouldn't be left noth with mm -hmm. nothing to live by. So anyway, but I got, um, my grandmother and mother were great influences on me. Uh, both with regard to literature and poetry and uh, words um, and also church. Mm. And you just go to church, you go and to church. Which church was it? It was Central Christian Church. And it was a disciple related before the disciples were really disciple. It was really called the just Christian church movement. Okay. And we became a denomination, <laughs> ironically, in 1968, right when denominations were about to start a steady decline. Mainline denominations. <laughs> Mainline denominations right. and go the way of all flesh and just not begin to crumble, but um, we didn't really need to be a denomination, but we became one and we it, it gave us certain access to uh, powerful connections and doing ecumenical work, especially mission work for uh, disaster relief and the rest all around the world. And that's great. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ is the name. It's an unwieldy name for the denomination. Mm -hmm. And uh, I flirted in college with becoming Episcopalian because there was a really great campus minister at TCU, which is where I went. Okay. And uh, I got drafted. Um, so I I lived in Fort Worth because ah, I went to you Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Of course Seminary. you did. Of so, course. Yeah. You'd be a good Baptist guy. Yeah. So I went, I graduated from Baylor in 83. So I was in Waco for four years and then I moved to Fort Worth uh -huh. and I was there for four years, just not too far from TCU campus. Honestly. There we go. And, uh, well, I lived right around mm -hmm. from um, the intersection uh, university and um, Barry, not, that may not be the right, but yeah. I'm almost on campus. Right. Um, I lived in the dorm for the one year and then I got drafted. I was um, the last batch that their numbers were called and had to perform some mm -hmm. kind of service. I was a conscientious objector and uh, which meant I was a pacifist at that time. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't mind serving my country. And they said, we don't mind you doing that either, but you're, you're gonna have to be as far away from your draft board as possible, that's Houston. So LA, that qualified, and we don't want you to make much money. And I made $50 a month, so that qualified. <laughs> so I went to South Central LA and worked in, um, a community center and a church. So and you didn't finish at TCU? I did okay. three year, uh, five years later. Okay. So I'd went and did two years of service in South Central. And it was there that a confirmation of the call mm. came about because at this church, which had been formed as an interracial congregation in 1942. Oh, wow. Um, uh, the center in 42 and the community center in 40. Five, um, 46, it, um, 
it just it shaped my life. Uh, there were Asians and African-Americans and Vietnamese and Latinos and white mm-hmm. folks all in the same church. And I thought that I'd come home. Mm. I'd really come home. And that was a confirmation of a call. I don't know about you, but calls come in different ways. Uh, you know, uh, get Bob up there for Youth Sunday. He can talk. He knows how to talk. You know, is that a call? I don't think so. I think the call comes earlier for me. It came when I was in a child, probably seven, hmm. uh, maybe even earlier than that. I can remember thinking, putting together something I learned at school, maybe in, in kindergarten, and something I was learning at church mm-hmm. about God, but it's, it was about the solar system. You mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the photographs that are coming back from the new telescope that yeah. we've sent out to farthest reaches of the cosmos. And I was learning about, well, there was the sun and then there was these planets and on the outside of that, on the outside of that, and God was on the outside of earth and outside of Pluto. Mm -hmm. I said, and one night I literally was thinking about this and I bolted up in bed. I said, God is big. (laughs) Well, that's weird, isn't it? For a little seven year old or however young I was, that's, that's some kind of touch. Huh. That's a divine touch upon your life. That those kind of questions, thoughts, notions intrigued me, hmm. and they fueled my life. And at all peoples in South Central LA, I had a sense that yeah, I could do this, and had a sense of um, what church was about. I learned this from my mentor who became just a dear friend, he said it wasn't. He said, oh no, that's Hill 101. I said, no, I think that's you. Every congregation needs basically two things, a clear sense of purpose and the experience of victory. And if you have that, you can go, you just go to town. And uh, I believe that, and I believe it even today. So I've, I experienced that at All Peoples in mm-hmm. South Central first. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Where did, um, let's just take just a couple of short minutes kind of put, because, you know, my world, I grew up Southern Baptist. I kind of got into the charismatic movement a little bit, and then the Southern Baptist didn't want me to plant a church with them because I was a little too charismatic. Yeah. So then I ended up connecting with the vineyard. Yeah, yeah. Which was kind of, uh, yeah. we never called ourselves charismatic or Pentecostals, but we were kind of like empowered even. You're in that club. Something. Yeah, yeah we, were, we, were, uh, we were in that club. So, so and so you know, because of that, our worlds are, are kind of a little bit different, right? Sure. Like I, I was more in this sort of evangelical world, mm-hmm. sort of this maybe a little bit of a charismatic evangelical mm-hmm. world. You you grew up in a mainline church. That's right. Which seminary did you go to? Yeah, and, sure. And talk a little, because I had Brian McLaren on here a few weeks ago. Oh. And several people would have heard him and Brian oh, yeah. kind of gave his three minute talk about how, you know, like you just mentioned, um, in 1968, really mainline churches started declining right, sort of yeah. decade after decade. Evangelical churches kind of took off. Ascended, and, ascended, yeah. And just about, what, 10 to 15 years ago, even our even our uh, evangelical church, you know, yeah. Southern Baptist started declining. Evangelical churches of Catholic like church people, began to decline. Yeah, 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 conservative Catholic. And so it's, it's such a fascinating mix. Yeah. You were kind of in and I guess what we call maybe the progressive Christian camp. Yeah, I would say. I was kind of in the evangelical. Yeah, Help yeah. our audience understand sure. just a little bit. Of yeah, that um, the progressive face of Christianity in the Protestant world in, a, in North America, United States in particular, ascended from basically the late 19th century all the way up into the 50s. I mean, it was just, it was the face of what Protestants were about. Maybe the movie, A Man Called Peter, I don't know if everybody remembers this guy, a great Scottish preacher. And um, and actually, one of the- Peter Marshall. Peter Marshall was- Literally, when I felt called to be a pastor, that was the first 
biography that I read when I was 16. It's marvelous. It's 16. marvelous. And by the way, yeah, yeah. he his prayers in the Senate, and, and I don't look to his preaching because some of it is he pilfered a little bit. You know, he uh, committed a little plagiarism. His wife, Catherine Marshall, had a devil of a time trying to apologize for this. Mm. And, and it, you'll see in the book, a man called Peter, she says, I have searched out as much as I could, all, all the notations and background, you know, if I've aired, please forgive me, et cetera, et cetera, something to that effect. Yeah, yeah. But his prayers are his mm. and they're powerful. Yeah, and they are, he was of uh, the, the Senate, Senate the US, right, Senate. US Senate. And um, he he was a phrase maker. I mean, he, he mm. had a gift, not only the gift of gab and, the, and blarney, as he probably would mm. say, that's more Irish, I guess, but he could tell a story and he was impassioned. Um, Let's talk about the gifts and graces, maybe, and I'll try to sum up this thing about yeah. progressive. Progressives were unafraid to look at social issues and problems and apply the gospel in a way that was not only a good remedy for individuals, mm -hmm. but would address systemic issues. Mm -hmm. That's as, about as simple as yeah. I can make it. Um, what they uh, minored in, that was what they majored in. What they minored in, and sometimes didn't even have a minor in it, is sometimes they, they were kind of so dry and so cold that it seemed to be like philosophical analysis. Mm. It wasn't necessarily a gospel engagement with mm. the issue. Um, but their analysis is pretty telling and pretty accurate and pretty wonderful. I'm thinking like social gospel, like Rauschenbusch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roger and Will is it Roger Williams? Well, or? that's way back. I mean, that's at the the the, that, the, the founding of, the early, of our country. No, I'm. Uh, you am I thinking of with Rauschenbusch? Who was the other? Paul Rauschenbusch. Um, well, let me just talk about yeah. Harry Emerson Fosdick. Okay. He would he he Fosdick, would have been yeah. the blossoming of this, and New he York took pastor. yeah at, at Riverside yeah. Church, and he took on the fundamentalist in a fundamentalist kind of controversy called "Will the Fundamentalists Win?" I just read this recently. <laughs> yes, and I think it, you posted it. The, it. Yeah, it was the, my, yeah yeah yeah. You tagged me. Yeah yeah I did. But I had I bumped into it just right before you tagged yeah. me on that. Yeah. And so um, Diana our, Butler Bass was talking about this. And our mutual friend, Mike Graves, uh, wrote a book on this collection of essays uh -huh. about a hundred years after Fosdick preached that sermon, what was going on. And then this most recent um, magazine article, I think in the Atlantic, really asked what's going on. And it looks like, or maybe it was the Washington Post, but it looks like, well, uh, maybe the fundamentalists have kind of kind of resurgence. Mm. And by the way, worldwide, what for lack of a better term, right wing fundamentalists of all religions have had a kind of ascendancy, mm. uh, not in a good way. Not it's not good for Islam. It's not good uh, in Judaism. It's certainly not good. Um, in white nationalism, mm -hmm. that's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And in not just my opinion, I think I think there's a fact. Yeah. It's not good for world governance. Not good for peace. Not good for human treatment mm -hmm. of women mm -hmm. uh, and a bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. But the uh, so there's Harry Emerson Fosdick, who's kind of the blossoming and flowering of all this. Martin Luther King is part of that social gospel movement. Mm -hmm. He's an inheritor of that. But the black church was always engaged right. in in, um, in social gospel issues yeah. and justice uh, mm -hmm. focus. Um, so we, uh, I went to maybe uh, the uh, the mothership, one of the motherships of that kind of theology and ecclesiology and teaching, and that was Vanderbilt Divinity School mm -hmm. in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. At that time, Sally McFaig was the dean. She was a leading feminist theologian. And um, I had, just bumped into her in uh, the last couple of years, too. She's actually. good, too. Yeah, yeah, great yeah. on parables. Mm. Um, and also the environment. She's a great environmental theologian. Like eco. E yeah, eco there we go. Eco justice. Stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ed Farley on the, the seminary faculty at um, at Vanderbilt really influenced the rest of the progressive and mainline seminaries with the notion of the minister as theologian. Mm -hmm. And that was the basis for the curriculum, how we were trained, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. But Lucy Goosey, 
Mm. I graduated really without taking a practical preaching course. Oh, really? I mean, wow. zero. <laughs> I mean, that's that's shameful. I had the the year after I graduated, I read more books in one year than I read in all three years of Vanderbilt combined, wow. trying to catch up because I was preaching at the little storefront church. I didn't know beans about how to do this. Huh. Um, I had taken a kind of a specialty course on social crisis preaching, but that was a head thing. That was my mentor, mm -hmm. Kelly Miller Smith, who was kind of like the Martin Luther King of Nashville. And I loved him. He's the one who introduced me to Howard Thurman. And, but that wasn't a preaching course. Mm -hmm. So I listened to a lot of Fred Craddock tapes and a guy named Carlisle Marnie. Nobody knows him, but he was a great in Baptist circles mm -hmm. in Texas and also in North Carolina. Um, he was to give the Beecher lectures and suddenly had the audacity to die at the age of 60, mm. almost 61. And John Claypool, from back in Texas days in yeah. Baptist world, yeah. uh, took over for him uh, in those Beecher lectures. So, uh, yeah. book called The Preaching Moment. Anyway, so I was just reading my tail off, trying to catch up. Well, why did a mainstream seminary let me do that? Graduate without taking a real practical course. Shame on them. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love the influence that they had on my life and the what, uh, yeah. the imprint that Vanderbilt made. It was also yeah. a Vanderbilt that I ran into prison ministry. I had gone there because you could take a course where you were gonna be a chaplain at a prison. And I wanted to do that because um, I had thought I was gonna have a bunch of friends who were gonna end up there. And I ought to know that, I know how to do that. So I did and um, uh, end up meeting some great folks like Will Campbell and my dear friend, Jeff Blum, uh, my dearest friend in seminary, um, became a leading advocate for working with people on death row. So uh, wow. it was a cauldron of, of, uh, of social causes and everything else, but it was also a great place to really dissect a text. We, we did good textual analysis, mm. good biblical study. Yeah. So um, you, you come to Kansas City in 1985. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, you'd already had some pastoral experience uh -huh, before you yeah. landed here, right? Yeah, yeah, five years, basically. And you come to a fairly, like, the thing I knew about your church um, was the architect. The property. The architect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A famous uh, Frank. Frank Lloyd Wright, Wright church, yeah. yeah. Yeah, what we say is we have a Frank Lloyd Wright building. We're not a Frank Lloyd Wright church. <laughs> right. But yeah, I, yeah, and I used to say one of these days our people will be as famous as our property. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I came as the associate pastor, okay. Fred. I came um, and um, I was associate pastor there for about a year and five or six months. And then the senior minister heard a call to uh, go to Dallas and went. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of left, um, well, I was waiting for the um, uh, interim minister to come or somebody to come and they had me preaching and uh, they liked the preaching. And uh, so um, then the story goes, I mean, if I'm real blunt about it, I thought they wanted to get off cheap and you know they didn't have to pay moving costs i'm there you know i'd kind of get and i love being an associate pastor oh you did programming you spent money and um you got in trouble <laughs> you know um, if you're a senior minister you got to get everybody out of trouble <laughs> you you got to raise all the money and you don't do programming what fun is there in that <laughs> so i i didn't i didn't have aspirations to really be the senior pastor but I was preaching and then they said, we really, really sense a call. This is where the congregation sometimes knows that better than you do. Hmm. They said, no, no, we, we sense that there's something special here. I said, oh, no, you don't. You're just hmm. getting, trying to get it cheap. And I said, and, and then I thought I'd play my trump card in December of that year of 86, I said, you know what, I'll tell you what, this is not of God. 
And she goes, oh, then that was their opening. And they said, oh no, that's why we keep coming to talk to you. We do believe this is of God. What can I say to that? I said, let's just get through Christmas. We'll have a conversation. And we did in January of 87. And then I said yes to the Mm -hmm. call. So, Right, so you've come out just recently with a book, 52 uh, messages. So for those of you who can see mm-hmm. our, who are watching by uh, YouTube or whatever, this is this is Bob's collection of sermons. Life mm-hmm. is to be celebrated. Yeah. And uh, there's 52 messages in here. Yep. And you've broken it up into three parts. Um, the first part is uh, ordinary days, ordinary times, mm-hmm. and a collection of messages there. I thought it was the very first one you put in here, I thought was interesting. So I hadn't, the first one is entitled on seeing the elephant and hearing the owl. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I had never heard that phrase until well, I read it here. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah. Evidently, it's got a history with Louis Louis Lamour. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah. A couple of and it it means Western hearing uh, the approaching footsteps of death, basically. Yeah. So you start life is to be celebrated, and your first message you put in here is on death <laughs> about, about approaching death because you it was, a, I had a heart attack. Yeah. In 2010, at the very tail end of a sabbatical. I came back. I was to go to preach the next day, uh, August the 14th, and had a heart attack on August the 13th. And it was kind of like a friend of mine who's the most prayerful person I know said, no, no, your body was saying, you're not going back yet. No, no. And so um, I had another month of recovery, lost 50-something pounds, and... um, and change and then really really claimed the the thesis of the book of the title uh something i really discovered at community that life was really not to be tolerated it was meant to be celebrated and that that was my job as pastor to really help people understand that thesis yeah and to live it so i i, I love that um uh i ha- i my grandfather had a had a skull it's a little uh, ceramic skull with a jaw that i thought about a real a real one (laughs) like no it's like but um it's one of the things that i have from him and i i actually keep it on my desk Uh because it reminds me of my mortality and yeah and you know how i've still got breath so what has got god still have for me right so it's do you know this phrase oracular prayer no, I, I have no. A now a fancy schmancy terminology for what I've been doing, especially uh, the last 10 years of my life in ministry. Um, I said it on the way here, um, some stuff. I have a cracked tooth today, by the way. I went to the dentist earlier this morning, so I got a big uh, surgery next week. But, uh, you know, it, it was it is what it is. I'm glad to be clear about the problem of what happened, how I cracked it. And. I walked out and just, it's a beautiful day today. Mm. The sky is high blue. And I just said, thank you. And I do that all the time Mm. out loud. And I I recommend that as a practice of prayer, uh, saying just thank you, thank you. Um, Not like Annie Lamott, you know, she says there's basically two kinds of prayers, help, 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 help. (laughs) And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, gratitude has been I've actually had to press into that with everything I've gone through these last three years. Yeah. Like, well, you've like, done well, I think. Really, I think you really uh, push into gratitude, yeah. right? Because it, it's, yeah. But another section you have on Advent, and then you have a section on justice, and then what you call signal moments. But I, the, the Advent one is actually ashes to uh, Easter. And then, um, is it Advent to Christmas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the then there's the justice one. Yeah. So I want to dive into the justice one. Okay. Yeah. Because I and in getting to know you these last you know two and a half years, uh, one of the things that I've really uh, admired about you is your justice platform and how mm-hmm. you have. I mean, that's been a theme and how you've even you've worked at a community level, a very robust community mm-hmm. approach to issues mm-hmm. of justice. I've tried. Yeah. And um, 
one of the things I, f I found in my evangelical world was that people had a very limited and even poor understanding of justice. Mm -hmm. And if you talked about social justice with evangelicals and they were thought they thought you were talking about being a socialist and they thought that was all. And I, you know, I was working on a Hebrew Bible Ph.D. Mm -hmm. and and dove into this Hebrew word mishpat, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is the Hebrew word for justice. Right. And um, what you come the, up with? Well, when the Hebrew Bible talks about justice, it's it's never talking about harsher punishments. That's right. That's right. That's right. Exactly. For criminals. Right, right. Yeah, it's not talking about vengeance or retributive yeah, right, justice. Right, yeah. right, right. It's always talking about um, it, it's it. And if the prophets pick it up, they're usually um, speaking against the corrupt, powerful kings. Yeah, yeah. They're advocating for the poor. Yep. For the outcast. Yep. For the stranger. Yep. We're going to get a which, call and response which, here after which, a while. Which immigrant and refugee is the stranger, right? Yep, yep. It's advocating for the outsider, for yep. the marginalized. It's, right. it's advocating for those who have no voice. Right, exactly. Vulnerable. Right, exactly. And it's a robust vision and platform mm -hmm. that is there. And I've noticed, like, you know, like one of the guys I grew to love was... Uh, was uh oh my gosh i'm gonna break the guy that wrote prophet abraham uh, joshua Heschel. Yeah, yeah thank you abraham he, joshua one Heschel. of the top echelon and, commentators and yeah. so so you've you've had such a robust uh mishpat platform mm, justice mm, platform mm. and i and so i looked at you know your messages in here um and i the you know the racial justice one you, mm -hmm, like two yeah. of the most famous passages in the hebrew bible micah 6 8 yep and Amos, Amos. five twenty four, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The justice rolled down. down like waters. And yeah. then Micah six eight. Yeah. You know, what does the Lord require of you? Of thee, I like to, the King James version. Mishpat to do mishpat to love mercy, chesed, chesed and to walk humbly. I don't know yeah. what the Hebrew word for humble yeah, is it's, there. It's That's, a it, less known word. Yeah, yeah. but um, chesed. By the way. Uh, I was taught you, you, you clear your throat when you say Hesed, Hesed, <laughs> and it is as close as we can get to the Christian word of grace, um, and we have the the closest we have I think for justice in the New Testament is righteousness or doing good works, and by the way. Um, those good works aren't just for the cup of cold water that needs to be given to the thirsty soul. It is about an unjust system um, that keeps people thirsty yeah. and keeps people hungry. Right. So, and uh, you know, growing up in the evangelical world, we like when we talked about the powers. No, we, we were talking about supernatural Sa demons. Yeah, you know about Satan, weren't you? Right. Right. <laughs> And, you know, of course, at some point along the way, you know, I read Walter Wink and, yeah. you know, the systemic powers and the injustice. And yeah, Walter Wink, uh, what a great, great you know, writer. Yeah. 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 And brought a whole new perspective to me on on what what the powers are. Yeah. Yeah. Which and I thought is we, fascinating. And, and we don't pay attention to that other word, uh, principalities. Mm. Principalities don't have to, anything to do with demons. Mm -hmm. It has to do with rulers. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the people in charge and making policy. Mm -hmm. um, I think now uh, we need to say it's not an either or question. It's not that you have to choose Mishpat over Hesed. Mm. Micah 6 8 puts them together. Right. It's both of them. Mm -hmm. Now, the first one in the list is Mishpat. The second one, though, is Hesed. Mm -hmm. And um, a dear friend of mine had a great meditation. We were in a, a Quaker retreat center in Philadelphia, Pendle Hill Retreat Center. And I don't, I didn't, at that time, I didn't do silence very good at all. I hardly probably knew how to pray back then. Uh, I do now, but back then, a while back, I didn't. Um, that is, which should give uh, comfort and aid and support to all of your listeners who say they don't know how to pray. By the way, <laughs> uh, don't worry, you can you can do it. All you right. can do it. Um, I'm still learning. Yeah, uh, but he did a meditation on my friend on Micah six eight. He said, you know, it's really impossible to do justice. But let's just say 
you could. If you really could do justice, you probably could never do mercy. <laughs> but let's just say you could. You could do justice and mercy then it would be impossible to be humble. <laughs> so that was his humorous take on yeah. that. But I like Brueggemann. You know, we, we talk about Heschel and he's yeah, the- By the way, I'm hoping to get Walter Brueggemann. Oh, you should. Oh, oh. Walter Brueggemann for evangelicals and for progressives and mainline and for anybody else who doesn't know who they are, but they're Christian. Yeah. He's one of the greatest commentators on the Hebrew Bible he that is. ever drew breath. So His good. definition in a little bitty book on Micah 6, 8 hmm. says, doing justice is sorting out what belongs to whom and returning it to them. Hmm. That's all it is. Like Jubilee. Bingo. <laughs> it, that's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah. Another little story, though. Will Campbell told me this story. He was going to help a Indian tribe receive the return of land that had been plundered and pilfered from them. Mm -hmm. And this country club down in Alabama said, can you help us do this, affect this transfer of this deed back to the Indian uh, tribe that it belongs to? And he said, well, sure, I'll try. And so he went down there and they had a big meeting, the country club people there and the, the Native American tribe was there and they, began to try to hand the deed over and the Native American tribe says, you can't do that. It was never yours and we can <laughs> never receive it. We don't own it. Right. The great spirit owns right, it. Right. So we refuse your gift. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> wow. Will Campbell loved telling that story. Wow. About, so interesting. yeah. So I think uh, doing mishpat and doing justice is an actually, if I can be confessional, Fred, it's a way to be whole, W-H-O-L-E, mm -hmm. for me. Mm. If I don't engage in that, I'm not whole. I'm not doing what I'm called to do. At the same time, if I refuse a cup of cold water, if I'm not doing the hesed, that's also mm. not good, and I'm not being whole. It's really not uh, a supremacist or condescending, uh, holier than thou thing. No, that, no, no. That, and doing justice can never finally just result in that, oh, I did something good. Oh, oh yeah. get a hold of yourself, right, you right. know? It is that I, I get something out of this, meaning my brothers and sisters are now more my brothers and sisters than they were before I did the thing, before I helped. And mm -hmm. that's all we're doing is helping. Uh, well, you, so, and you encounter, I mean, in my thought, you encounter the, the spirit of Jesus. Hello. Right? Hello. Yeah. I mean, isn't the least of, you know, all that. Like Matthew 25. Us, right? Yeah. Well, and we go, oh my God, I'm in the presence of the holy. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the greatest moments I ever had had nothing to do with justice, had nothing to do with mercy. It had to do with hanging with farm workers in the basement of all people's Christian uh, church in Los Angeles. They were boycotting something, uh, lettuce or grapes or something. And uh, these were real farm workers. I mean, they were, they were on strike from the fields and they stayed in the church uh, that eventually was ordained in. And I saw an abuelo, a grandfather, uh, dancing with his granddaughter mm. in the middle of this basement fellowship hall. There was nothing holier that week, maybe that year, that I ever witnessed mm -hmm. than that. And I had frijoles and tortillas with them, you know, we maybe that was a form of communion in a way. But witnessing that, I got, I got to receive that. Mm -hmm. We were doing justice by letting them stay there but look at what we got in return. Mm -hmm. We got to behold the kingdom of God, the basileia of of God in our very midst. So, you um, you know, just picking up on knowing you the last two and a half years, like your racial justice has been a big issue for you. Mm -hmm. um, your 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 message on Hebrews thirteen two about. Uh, entertaining angels unawares is on the is on the on the stranger, which is the Hebrew word ger, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. I typically talk about that being the outsider, the immigrant, the refugee. 
Perfect. Um, and so you had a message on that. Yeah, on entertaining angels unawares. Yeah. yeah. So racial justice, justice for all people everywhere, and yeah, and and being like I, you know, I've never been anti-immigration. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I've yeah. always tried to challenge my congregation. I have a young lady that grew up in my church that runs, uh, that married an, an immigrant mm-hmm. and now runs uh, Martina's Law Firm. Oh my! She advocates for the immig- immigrant. I've done an interview with her on my podcast. And how many? Let's ask uh, uh, almost a supercilious question. Um, I don't. I mean it maybe to be a little bit sarcastic. Uh, how many members of your congregation uh, were immigrants in their family background? That don't know. I know. I know the answer to that. I know the answer to that. I can tell you now. All of them. Well, unless they're Native yeah, American, on how you, far you go back. Yeah, right? if you yeah, go yeah. far enough back, we were all immigrants. Native Americans, by the way. Well, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. you had some native-born <laughs> folks, but most of our folks um, yeah. were brought here, right? Moved here, sailed here, yeah. uh, flew here, traveled here, walked here. They were from someplace else. Right. We're, we're a nation of immigrants. We were yeah. founded on immigration. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you know, when you you start working around the world and getting to know people everywhere. It's just like, yeah, at any rate, but no. And then you have a really strong advocacy for education. I think because you see yeah. that as a part of the, the, the yeah, work that we I need do. to do. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking of all the platforms I've noticed you, or maybe that's a bad I've been word very, for no, it, but no, the way you've been involved with yeah. justice issues in Kansas City. I've been very privileged. I've been very privileged to uh, have a platform or two or three and to do what I can to make life better. Um, the education thing is born completely, I think, out of uh, the imprint of my parents on the importance of education. Uh, my grandmother and my mother in particular, my family. But also, I got tapped by uh, a calculus teacher, and I'm going to say her name outright, Marie E. Collins. And uh, Marie uh, was my calculus teacher, but supported all the stuff about my writing and poetry, et cetera, et cetera. And my sister sent me, oh, I guess it was 20 years ago, a book. And it was a thesaurus on one side, and then on the other side was a dictionary. And I'd never seen this book before. She goes, I use this all through college. It really was for you, and it's your book. And so I said, what? And so in the flyleaf, it was said to Bob Hill from Marie E. Collins, I hope you can find all the right words for your brilliant ideas. Some malarkey like that. Mm -hmm. Marie E. Collins. Where did this come from? Well, my mother died one month after we graduated. I graduated from high school. And so then my sisters were spirited off to Baltimore, Maryland with my uncle, who was deemed guardian in the will. And then I was on my own. But I had a scholarship. But anyway, so apparently that book got lost in the transfer up to Baltimore, and I never even saw it. I never got to use it until I was at Community Christian Church. Mm-hmm. It sits now at my desk in our new condo, <laughs> uh, right next to where I'm going to do writing. And on the way back to a high school reunion, I said, I've got an idea. I, I want to check. So I knew that Mrs. Collins was going to be at the reunion. So I got to the reunion and I got registration. You know how they do these things and say, oh, Mrs. Collins waiting for you over there at that table. Okay, great. I'm looking for her. So I went over there and we did niceties, nice hugs and everything. And I said, Mrs. Collins, do you remember that champion paper scholarship that I received? I didn't even apply for it. I just got given it. Mm -hmm. I got tapped for it. She goes, yes. I said, Miss Collins, did you have anything to do with me receiving that? She goes, yes. <laughs> and I said, and she goes, but I didn't do it alone. So it was, she said it was her, Mrs. Rose, my English teacher, Miss Verducci, and she ran detention and she knew me. And so uh, they th- three made the decision. And I even found out from another classmate that a couple of my classmates didn't get it. They were in the finals and I did get it. It was a full ride scholarship, Fred. Wow. 
full ride. I mean, anywhere I could get in in America. That's awesome. And all I wanted to ever do was go to TCU. Mm. Well, in today's money, that's 75 grand a year. It was full ride for four years. The champion paper people and TCU, I went off and did the two years in LA and then came back. They held it and I finished up at TCU. I was a 21 year old sophomore. And so um, anyway, so finished up. Education, the tap of a scholarship is so important. Mm. It changed my life. It changed, it it opened up a future for me. It gave me opportunities I never would have had. So good. You know, uh, one of my favorite New Testament scholars who died several years ago was W.D. Davies. And he did a he did a stint books. at TCU. Oh, well, he, I didn't he know did, that. You know, he did the whole commentary in the ICC on Matthew. It's a three volume set. Yeah. Which is international brilliant. Christian commentary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I saw it many a time in the library. International so. critical commentary. Critical, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. So. Um, well, we're. I, I want you to tell. Uh, you you end with love, right? Yeah, yeah. Your your last message in here, in the the one that's titled "Life Let's is to Be, be celebrated, celebrated," yeah, is all about love. Which I, I think you know, going back to the Hesed, yeah, you know, certainly love is 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 covenant. I almost like call it covenant love. Kessid. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like a deep, loyal covenant love kind yeah. of thing. That's so it's beautiful. always forgiving. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it always abides in mystery. Mm. I mean, when you think about love of a family, uh, Annie Lamott says, you know, if we can le- learn to forgive our families, we can learn to forgive anybody. <laughs> um, and that's the cauldron. That's the crucible in which we function as human mm. beings in this funky thing called a family, mm-hmm. but love is the glue. I mean, it is the definitive moment of what it means to be a human being. Mm-hmm. I think dogs love us, and I think we know, I know we love dogs, but I'm not so sure snakes love anybody, you know, I, or insects. I don't know if they can love, but we certainly know that human beings are constituted by our capacity to love. Um, is it William Sloan Coffin? I think it is a, a great, great figure in progressive Christianity who said uh, that uh, Descartes was wrong. Uh, um, cogito ergo sum. I think, therefore I am. He said, no, no, no. Amo ergo sum. I love, therefore I am. And I think that's right. I, I think, think that so. I think that is that's what constitutes us as um, human beings, period. But also it defines us as Christians. Jesus said it, mm-hmm. love God, love neighbor, mm-hmm. and yourself. Yep. Those three, that's, yep. that's, that's the trifecta. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, then you're on the right path. I think you're right. So um, we're, we're out of time. Shucks. I know. I'll come back, by the way, anytime. I could go on for a long time with this. Uh, I was thinking, like, what is your what is your most embarrassing or funny moment in preaching? Maybe let me do that real quick in in with that one. I'll do this. I was doing a wedding and it was pretty. I probably got way more than you. I want to hear yours. So I was doing a wedding uh, at a vineyard outdoors, nice little pond, et cetera. And this. and the rehearsal went very nicely and i got to meet this little girl and um and she was the flower uh girl in the wedding and so the next day she was there i thought it's gonna be she's gonna be pretty rambunctious but it's gonna be fun and so everybody's beautiful and you know every every guy looks great dressed up it tucks or not doesn't matter they all look great all the women were looking great and so they were coming down and then she processed right in front of the bride with the flowers and all that and she's just kind of cantankerous and fun. And so I begin, you know, and, and it's, you do enough weddings after a while, Fred, you've done hundreds and hundreds and thousands maybe of weddings that go, dearly beloved, we're gathered together in the sight of God and the face of this company to witness and to bless the joining of this man and this woman. However you do your, your, um, your liturgy. And I came to the point, I said, you know, so um, Mary and John are here. 
and we are here. And another is here as well. God is here to bless. But before I could get to bless and sanctify and make it holier, so all the rest of my spiel, all right, the little girl said, she, she bolted and looked at her mother and said, Mama, God is here. God is here, Mama. <laughs> and so it cracked the congregation up. And at the end, when I, after I pronounced uh, the uh, couple married, I said, um, we're all going to remember this day for hearing the best six word sermon many of us have heard in a long time. <laughs> God is here, mama. God is here. I like that. Seven word sermon. And so um, that was a shock and a sweetness and a moment I, I hope that her mother will tell her later. It turned out her father was not there. I went and saw it the mother out and I said she's marvelous and and I said what uh, could I meet I want to meet your husband and tell him thank you as well he says no he can't be here he died mm. and he died uh, in Iraq mm. and uh, he was killed in battle and uh, I said I'm so sorry but I said she doesn't seem to have a hole mm. in her soul or her heart she was oh no no God has filled that hole and uh, they say their prayers every night. And she literally, that little kid was alive. So wow, that's beautiful. Well, everybody, uh, life is to be celebrated. 52 messages from Robert Lee Hill. And by the way, I just say that each of these messages are packed with so many great references to oh. poets and authors and theologians and musicians. We don't do this alone, buddy. And, I mean, <laughs> you know that you're you you you've got such an eclectic pull of of beautiful things that you bring very into kind. each message. You're very kind, and the Thank footnotes you. are worth it. Even Thank Just, you. yeah, I <laughs> like yeah. I'm a well, you you gotta you and gotta pay credit where credit is due. It's good stuff. So uh, I'd encourage you to check it out, and uh, I'm so thankful to have gotten to know you, Bob. Fred, um, I'm glad to call you friend, and uh, I'm I'm honored to do that, and uh, glad to see your journey as it unfolds and develops and grows um, in your spiritual adventures. And it's an adventure. Yeah, right? <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So thanks, everybody, for joining us at Spirituality Adventures, and we'll see you next time. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, and make a one-time donation. Or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.